Good morning. We're glad you're here. For those of you watching online, we're so glad that you're here with us in that way. And you guys are a good-looking crew this morning. Uh, in fact, just turn to the person next to you and say, you're looking fine. Looking fine. Turn to your second choice and say, you're looking good, too. You're looking all right. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm just trying to help our singles out in the room, okay? Every opportunity I get, I'm trying to, trying to give you an opportunity here. Uh, we love you. Appreciate you guys. Hey, um, we uh, started a series a couple weeks ago called The Puzzle of Purpose. And if you've been around, you've heard me say, you've heard me say this, that, that the greatest need that you and I have, whether you're religious or irreligious, the greatest need that we have is for purpose. Everybody needs to know that they have a purpose. And the mistake that so many of us make when it comes to purpose is we kind of believe this lie of culture that to find your purpose, you've just got to look within yourself. Have you heard that before? You know, if you want to find your purpose, just look within yourself. And, and that can be daunting because you're like, I'm trying to look within myself and I got nothing, right? Like, what is my purpose? And so what I would submit to you is if you want to find your purpose, why don't you go to the one who created you, the one who made you, the one who knows you better than you even know yourself and ask him, you know, what is my purpose? And in fact, go to his word, and as you look to his word, he will help you to understand your purpose. And this doesn't, for most of us, this doesn't happen like instantly. This is something that as we go to him over and over again, that he slowly unveils and kind of shows us one step at a time. And the passage of scripture that we've been looking at in this series is Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we learn right away in verse 1, first of all, that every follower of Jesus is called by God. That if you are following Jesus, you have been called by God. That's extraordinary to think that the eternal, everlasting creator of the universe sees you, he knows you, he loves you, and he has called you. He has a purpose for your life. And verse 7 says something that's just absolutely extraordinary. It says, God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of God. That again, if you're a follower of Christ, he has given who? Each one of us. He's given each one of us. Turn to the person next to you and say, that includes you. By faith, we're believing you're a follower of Jesus. So if so, that, that includes you. Like, I think of the implications of this. If this is true, which we believe the word of God is, Every follower of Jesus in this room, you have been given a special, unique gift, and that gift was given to you, how? Through the generosity of Christ. That's extraordinary. If you go on to verse 11, and by the way, two weeks ago, we went through each of these verses, uh, 1 through 13, so I'm just kind of reviewing, but in verse 11, Paul says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, and he expounds on this, we, we call them the, the five-fold gifts of the church, but, but he, he, he gives them, he says, it's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And I think one of, one of the things that's happened in the church, and I mean the capital C church, the church worldwide, and especially in the American church, is we see this list, and quite honestly, we just kind of yawn. Like there's a collective, okay, God has given each one of us gifts through the generosity of Christ, and these are the gifts? Come on, really? And what the enemy wants us to do, and we have an enemy, by the way, 
the enemy of our soul, the accuser of the brethren, Satan, the devil. He wants to distract us. He wants us to, to he wants to diminish the, the, the power of these gifts so that we just kind of ignore them and don't take them seriously and never think about them. But what if these gifts could change everything? I think part of the problem too is when I hear these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, I kind of grew up thinking that this was just a bunch of old white guys. I mean, most of us, when we think of those apostles, like who, who are we thinking of? But what if it's true that God actually wants that for every person in this room, no matter how old you are, how young you are, how educated you are, uneducated you are, how long you've been studying scripture, how long you've been following Christ, that God could have one of these gifts for you, an apostolic gift, or the gift of prophecy, or the gift of evangelism, or the gift of shepherding, or the gift of teaching. What if he has actually given you one of those gifts, and what would it look like for you to begin to step out and exercise and develop that gift for the glory of God? So that's basically what we've been talking about, and each week we're going to hit one of these. Last week, we looked at the first piece of the puzzle, because we call these pieces of the puzzle because they each have a unique viewpoint, but when we put all of these together, it gives us a vivid display of God's glory. It really is kind of incredible. And so what we're trying to do is to help you understand each piece is not the end-all, be-all. And sometimes that's kind of distracted us in church world, too, is that someone goes, well, I'm the whatever, and they just think they're, you know the bees, knees, and all that. No, we need every one of the gifts in operation to be able to see a full display of God's glory, right? Anybody else with me? Yeah? And so the first puzzle piece that we looked at last week, or the first spiritual gift that we looked at from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, is we looked at the gift of the evangelist, or the gift of evangelism. And we talked about that those with the gift of evangelism should eat tacos, some are like, wait, okay, I was starting to nod off for a second, and I think he said, yes, I did say that. We use TACOS as an acronym that T stands for timing, A stands for adapting, C stands for creativity, O stands for openness, and S is a tricky one. It's got several words, seek the spirit. And that for those of you, and so if you weren't here last week, and maybe you have an inkling, maybe that's the gifting that God has for me. I encourage you to go back and watch that and, and, and think through that. The gifting that we want to talk about today, and by the way, we believe that everybody has a gift. And, and we believe that there's no JV team in the church. In other words, I love what John Wimber says. He's the one who formed the, the founder of the Vineyard Church. He says, everybody gets to play. And I love that idea. Everybody gets to play. It's not just certain people in the church that get these gifts. Every follower of Jesus gets these gifts. We all get to play. The second gift that we're going to talk about today is the gift of teaching. And we're going to see how this works. Our, our first service, uh, give me a second. Oh, goodness. Well, close enough. Is it going to stay? We go to great lengths here at Journey Church to help illustrate the Word of God. <laughs> if it falls over, that's all right, okay? So we, we can keep going with the sermon if that happens. But uh, the gift of teaching, there, there's something we kind of have to, kind of a disclaimer I have to give when we talk about, we're, we're talking about today the spiritual gift of teaching. Now there is a natural gift of teaching. In fact, I want to make it very clear, some of my 
ultimate heroes in this lifetime are people who teach in our elementary schools and middle schools and high schools. I think they are true heroes. And if you've been around school students recently, I mean, not your kids, your kids are angels, but other people's kids, like you know the work, the daunting task that teachers have and anybody involved in our schools, bus drivers and cafeteria workers and janitors got, there's going to be a special place in heaven for those individuals. And, and so I don't want to diminish or take away from that natural gift of teaching, but natural teachers teach philosophies or teach thoughts or teach mathematics or teach reading or teach the sciences or when we're talking about the spiritual gift of teaching which is laid out for us in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 we're talking about the spiritual gift of teaching and a spiritual teacher seeks to understand and explain God's word in order to build up the body of Christ And I love how Jesus actually modeled this for us. Jesus, he comes along and he says this in John chapter 7, verse 16. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Jesus didn't come along just to teach the thoughts of man or to teach the philosophies of man. Jesus says, I've come to teach you what the Father has shown and what the Father has demonstrated. And really, this teaching should be a priority of the church. The church is not firing on all cylinders until the teaching gift is alive and well. We need the teaching gift. In fact, Jesus said it this way at the very end after his death and resurrection, before he ascended to the Father in Matthew chapter 28, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, his followers, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I want to pause right here. If you haven't been baptized since becoming a follower of Jesus, I really hope that you'll, that you'll get baptized next week. It's going to be such a great time of seeing people go public with their faith. Maybe you were baptized as an infant. That was a big deal between your parents and God but you didn't have a say in the matter. And so I just want to challenge you, if you haven't yet been baptized since becoming a follower of Jesus, you really should. It's right there in scripture. That's not what we're trying to get to, but I want you to see the next part, verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Like teaching is a huge part of what the church is all about. Evangelism is going and sharing God's good news. Teaching is helping new believers to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. And spiritual teachers, by the way, aren't just interested in imparting information. Spiritual teachers should be interested in transformation. It's not just about trying to give students more information or more facts or more trivia about the Bible. The whole point of it is to see transformation take place. Jesus wants us to teach to obey, not just to know. And as a result, people who are taught will follow Jesus more closely than they were before, right? So maybe you're sitting there at this point and you're wondering, well, I don't know, how do I know if God has given me this spiritual gift? And that's a great question, right? So I'm gonna give you a couple of questions and you can answer yes or no to these questions. And if you find yourself answering yes, To most of these questions, there's a good chance that maybe you have the spiritual gift of teaching. Number one, do you have a passion for sharing truths from the Bible with others? Yes or no? When you come across a difficult Bible passage, do you immediately start studying to find the answer? Number three, do you get excited when you see other people applying God's word to their lives? 
Number four, are you organized in how you read and think about scripture? And number five, do you get upset when you see scripture being mistaught or mishandled? And if you answered yes to these questions, or even most of these questions, there's a good chance that you have the spiritual gift of teaching. And I want to tell you, the stakes are so high, we need you to exercise this gift. We need you to develop this gift. And can I just, I just want to stand here as a product of individuals who taught me. I would not be here today if it wasn't for spiritual teachers, individuals who stepped into this calling and, and exercised this calling. For me, I remember, I mean, my memories go all the way back. I remember in first grade, my Sunday school teacher was Mrs. Vaughn. And um, she, I actually didn't even know this until after the first service that she, she actually passed away probably at least a year ago. Um, and uh, I was looking at some people in the room who would have known her. And in first grade, I remember Mrs. Vaughn, who every Sunday, well, first of all, she taught God's word through the magic science of flannel boards. Some of you guys remember that. Every great, once in a while, we bring one out here just because we want every generation to know the, the great uh, mystery of flannel boards that we knew growing up. And, and so and we would just be mesmerized at these Bible stories. Some of the Bible stories I read today, especially Old Testament stories, and my mind goes back to, to those moments. But one of the things Mrs. Vaughn did is every Sunday at the end of class, and this is just a room full of first graders, she would say, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads and I want to ask if anybody wants to ask Jesus to come into your life. Now, I know that I raise my hand pretty much every Sunday. I'm imagining probably most of the kids in that first grade class every Sunday. But she, would, I, she just did this every week. And you know what? Like, I look back and I don't know when it clicked. I don't know when the light bulb came on. But I think Mrs. Vaughn had a huge role to play in that. I remember, I don't know what grade it was, but it was in elementary school that a Sunday school teacher named Mrs. Aldridge, one Saturday, she asked me, she said, hey, in a couple weeks, this is going to be the lesson on Sunday, and I would love for you to put together a puppet skit to go with this lesson. And I remember just being so like blown away that the teacher asked me to help her, and I spent hours working on this puppet skit. And it was a huge part of probably why I'm even standing here today is because Mrs. Aldridge saw something in me and she was, she was teaching us not just information, she was teaching for transformation. I remember being in middle school and we, were in a, we had a boys class and a girls class and the boys were with Mr. Furback and Mr. Crossman and they would try to motivate us to get into God's word and middle schoolers, you know, your brains are half formed and you're not quite all together there and so this was a day and age where we were all about baseball cards and football cards and uh, so maybe for the younger generation, think Pokemon cards, but they were baseball players and football players. I don't know how to help you, but um, uh, some, of you, some of you know what this was all about. And so we, I mean, we were all into these cards and, and they would use football cards and baseball cards to try to help us. And, and, and I know it sounds weird, but somehow it worked. And they would motivate us and we would memorize, memorize verses. We would get a pack, an unopened pack of cards and it would be like the, and so we'd be motivated to memorize God's word, to get into God's word. And I could go on, I could spend this whole morning talking about the influence. Listen, it wasn't just the pastors. In fact, honestly, I don't remember hardly anything about the lead pastors in my life growing up. I, I hate to say it, a lot of what I do remember about them was negative. But what I remember is those faithful individuals 
who were lay people. They weren't professional clergy people. They were people who had jobs on the side. They were running families. They were doing all kinds of other things. But they, somewhere along the way, there was a stirring inside of them that they had this spiritual gift. And they realized that they had to, in order to understand their purpose, they had to exercise that gift. They had to develop that gift. They had to use that gift, right? And so maybe you're in this room and you say, hey, I I think I might have that spiritual gift. Can I just encourage you with several things that I think matter? And, And maybe you're here and you say, I do not have this gift. These things still matter, but they really matter to those with the spiritual gift of teaching. So can I just go through these real quick? If you have your notes, these are some fill ins. Number one, discipleship matters. Discipleship matters. Would you say that with me? Discipleship matters. It really does. See, the spiritual gift of teaching is all about discipleship. Teachers must first focus on themselves being a disciple. I can't can't get up and teach if I myself am not, first of all, being a disciple. They should learn from and be transformed by God's word. They should seek an ongoing connection to Jesus and strive to walk in Christ's new life. And those with the spiritual gift of teaching should make sure that they are leaning upon and depending upon the Holy Spirit. That they're not just communicating in their own strength. That they're following the example of Jesus. I love the the passages of scripture that will talk about how the crowds reacted to Jesus' teaching. Because Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. Maybe you were dragged here today. Maybe you don't even know what you believe about all this stuff. You don't even know if you believe that Jesus really did raise from the grave. You don't, maybe, I don't know, but is he really the son of God? Maybe you're here and you you have doubts about all that kind of stuff. I just want you to know, if there's no debate over the fact that Jesus, this Nazarene carpenter, changed the world at the very least through his teaching. That here we are 2,000 years ago, studying his words. He's the greatest teacher I mean, you cannot argue that away from, I, I just feel that so compellingly. He's the greatest teacher who ever lived. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, there's a passage that talks about the crowd's response. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were, what's the word there? They were amazed at his teaching. Now, they weren't amazed because he was the only one teaching. There was all kinds of rabbis who would teach from the Jewish scriptures. But Jesus taught in a way that was different. It says this, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. I would would submit to you that his authority came from him being discipled by the Father. That he was someone who didn't just spout off information. He was someone who deeply loved the Father, deeply loved the Word of God, and deeply loved the people that he was speaking to. And so discipleship, I mean, if you cut Jesus, he bleeds just discipleship, right? Number two, responsibility matters. Responsibility matters. Would you say this one with me? Responsibility matters. If you feel like maybe you have the spiritual gift of teaching, you've got to understand there's probably a greater weight of responsibility with this gift than perhaps any of the other gifts. In fact, the half-brother of Jesus, James, he once wrote this warning. He said this in James chapter 3, verse 1. He said, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers. (laughs) It's actually, I'm not making it up. Like, that's what it says. Like, James is warning people. He says, you think you have the spiritual gift of teaching? I just want to warn you. You might want to think that one through. And I want to be 
it would, it would not be prudent for me to talk about this spiritual gift and not give you the same warning that James gave. He says, not many of you should become teachers in the church. And here's the reason why. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why is that? Because we just naturally, when, when you hear me teach, you naturally believe that I am living out what I'm teaching. And we want a model. In fact, Paul would say this. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. As, as, as humans, we need someone with, with flesh and blood that we can see and try to, you know, try to follow their example. And so if someone is teaching, you better be living in alignment with the word of God. In fact, if you go on in James chapter 3, right after this verse, his warnings have to do with your speech and have to do with your behavior. Like, like, do I really believe what I'm teaching? Am I really in alignment with it? If I'm not, I better not be teaching because there's going to be a much stricter judgment for those who teach. I believe there will also be a greater reward. Some of you are like, well, where do you, I, I just, so here, here's the, uh, the, the upside is, you're, you're being discipled, and that doesn't mean you're perfect. By the way, I am not perfect. My wife, if she was in this service, would say amen, right? I am not perfect, but it's about, it's about striving to live in alignment with God. It's about living in daily repentance. It's about confessing of sin. It's about, it's about putting the word of God inside of you. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about that you're striving to live in alignment. So responsibility matters, discipleship matters. Number three, study matters. If you're gonna teach, you gotta make sure you're teaching correctly, properly, right? Like you don't wanna just get up and wing it. I don't even care if it's with a group of first graders, right? They're just as important to God. They're valuable to God. Don't just show up and wing it. Make sure that you put preparation and study into what you're doing. Spiritual teachers should be prepared through extended times of study and reflection. They should be students of the word of God. And so some of you are saying, well, Ken, I just started recognizing maybe I have the spiritual gift. How in the world am I supposed to study? Like, I don't even know how to study. I don't even know how to approach the Word of God. And if that's you, I'm glad that you had that question because there's several resources that we would encourage you with just as kind of a start. And, um, and these are in your notes. The first one is How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. This is a great resource. It's not it's not written at like a collegiate level. It really is in a level that most of us could understand. It may... There may be parts that are a little harder, uh, but, but if you read it a few times, you'll get it. And so th- you can get this on Amazon or at christianbook.com for probably less than 15 bucks. That's a great resource. And then uh, the next one, this is probably a little more readable, uh, would be Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks and William Hendricks. That's a great one to pick up. So if you have the spiritual gift of teaching, you know, order one of these books and just start working through it. You, and, and I don't mean, these aren't books that you read in a night. These, these aren't like novels. You read it slowly. You read it methodically. Even better, you find some other people who have the spiritual gift of teaching, and you start to read them together and challenge each other together. Maybe for you, books aren't necessarily your speed. Maybe for you, by the way, if anybody has a spiritual gift of teaching and you want one of these books, you can grab one afterward. Uh, just don't take both of them. So that way, somebody gets one, somebody else gets another one. Another resource is Right Now Media. And uh, it's been a while since we've told you guys about this. Journey pays for every attender of Journey Church to have a free subscription to Right Now Media. It's kind of like a Netflix of Bible studies. 
There's like tens of thousands of videos by, by incredible authors and, and, and teachers of God's word. A lot of them are people that if you've been around church world, you even know some of them. And uh, you can go in there and, and search for a subject and find whole video series that are geared toward that. But, but for, for those who are starting in the spiritual gift of teaching, I would encourage you to search how to read the Bible how to read the Bible, and you'll find a series by Tim Mackey. It's entertaining, it keeps your attention, and you will learn so much about how to read the Bible. And then finally, for those of you who want to go just a little bit deeper, and maybe you're even looking for some like college-level type of uh, education to help you in studying, I really encourage you to check out Ohio School of Ministry, ohioschoolofministry.com, and their college-level classes is a hybrid model where you do some of it online. There's self-paced where you're, you got you know, books that you're ordering and going through. There's, there's exams that are part of it. And then there's some in-person opportunities in Columbus, which is why I recommend this one because you don't have to drive that far, and, and it's just a great... So, so that's for all of you who really just want to go deeper with this idea of study. And so we've talked about what? We've talked about discipleship matters. We've talked about responsibility matters. We've talked about study matters. Here's another one, love matters. Love matters. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13, and and this is just so important for all of us to remember. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth. You know anybody who can speak all the languages of earth? I'm a dummy, I can only speak one language. That's why I love some of my friends like, like Servando. You know, he can, I mean, I don't even know. How, he can like think in two different languages at the same time. Brilliant. He is absolutely, you, you spend any time with him and you go, yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. Paul says, listen, you could speak all the languages of men. You could even speak the languages of angels. But if that person didn't love others, it would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You can get all the education, you can read all the books, you can go through all the courses, you can have master's degrees, and you can, you can have a master's of theology, you can, you can know the Bible better than anybody. Listen, in Jesus' day, there were people who knew the Bible backwards and forwards, who had probably the whole Testament memorized, and yet Jesus would tell people and warn them, hey, listen to what they say, but don't follow their example. Why? They weren't loving. They weren't loving God and they weren't loving their fellow man. And you can't, love, you can't love God and not love your fellow man. Jesus never taught with an attitude of pride. He always taught out of a motivation of compassion and love. And if teachers aren't careful, they start to value knowledge over wisdom. They can begin to value their relationship with information over their relationship with people. Teaching is more than just communicating information. It's a deep concern for others' understanding. It's being aware of how other people receive and respond to information in unique ways. And this is, this is just Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus, he would, he would read the crowd, and knowing the crowd, maybe he would launch into some stories to illustrate the kingdom of God. Or maybe he would ask of some uh, religious leaders who would, you know, lob out some questions. He would ask them some questions. He had all kinds of different ways that he would share. And so it is for spiritual teachers. So maybe we've gotten through maybe most most of this and, and your question is, okay, I think I've got the spiritual gift of teaching. You've given me some things to think about, you know. I know that discipleship matters and responsibility matters and study matters and love matters. How do I actually begin to exercise this gift? How do I actually begin to develop this gift? And I'm, I'm glad you asked. 
I think, I think it's just about finding a place to teach. You say, that's what I asked. Where? Where is there a place to teach? You know, we've, we've kind of had this theme over the last couple of weeks of our nursing home ministry. And I'll tell you, and some of you have been around, you've heard me tell the story. The first place that I really started teaching consistently was in a nursing home. I was in Bible college in Lakeland, Florida, and me and two friends, Lisa and Rusty, would go to this nursing home every Sunday afternoon, and Lisa could play the piano, and so she had a hymn book, and she didn't know any of the, she didn't know any of the hymns, but she had a hymn book, and she could play the piano, so she would try to play them and sing them, and, and it was just cool. And Rusty was our wheelchair guy. He would get every, you know, go around. He was this big guy and just would take care of getting everyone's wheelchairs. Three college students. We'd go into this nursing home, and I was the teacher, <laughs> the, the teacher. And I would come in, and my whole goal was to keep them awake. You don't know how, I mean, some of you guys fall asleep, and, and I get it, and you guys have work schedules and stuff, but when the whole room is falling asleep and mouths open and drool coming out, you just go, just look at Rusty and Lisa and say, do we just push them back to their rooms, or what do we do now, right? Like, but it was, it was through that every week, going to the nursing home and teaching. Listen, that, that's how I began to develop and exercise the spiritual gift of teaching. Maybe, maybe for you, we have so many opportunities. I mentioned, you know, the first grade and, and middle school and these different teachers who shaped me. Here at Journey, we have all kinds of opportunities for you to teach kids. And you know what I love about teaching kids? I, I really feel you make a bigger difference teaching kids than you do teaching adults. Like I said, growing up, like I don't remember the sermons that my pastor taught. I remember so many things from my Sunday school teachers that they taught me. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of teaching. I would just encourage you, teach. Get out there and use it. Get out there and you'll stumble a little bit. And, and, and the first time you go to give a talk, it'll go way longer than you thought it would or it'll go way shorter than you thought it would or, or people will look at you strange and you'll finally realize that people's resting faces are really mean. They aren't mean. That's just how they rest their face, right? They just have a scowl on their face. You'll, you'll realize all kinds of, but you'll grow and you'll develop You'll develop the muscles of this. So I just want to challenge you, like find a place. Maybe for you, you use a teaching gift in one-on-one -on -one settings. Maybe you're a student and, and you use this spiritual gift of teaching through helping a fellow student, you know, at lunch in a conversation that you're having with them. Maybe it's through social media. Now there's so many creative ways of teaching and communication, TikTok videos, or, or maybe you want to type something out and share it on your social media. And you have a Tuesday, you know, every Tuesday you post something that, that you've written, that you've typed out. And I mean, there's so many different ways that we can teach. Just, just do it. Just get out there and find an opportunity. Talk to Bob Christman about the nursing home ministries. Talk to Ju Miss Julia about our kids' ministries. Pastor Aaron would love to have you involved in our student ministry, ministering to middle school and high school students on Tuesday nights. And there's opportunities in that environment. There's so many environments. Just, just find a place and ask God to show you, and he will. Right? We've talked about all these things that matter. We've talked about discipleship matters and responsibility matters and study matters and love matters. But I want you to know that you matter. You matter. Maybe so far in the sermon you've been sitting there and you've heard a lot about stuff that you're like, that's ah, not for me. I'm never going to teach. That's not my gift. And so you kind of checked out for a while. And a lot of this, you don't even quite even understand everything that I'm saying. 
maybe using words that you don't understand what those words are, but can I just bring you back for a second? And if I could sit down across from each and every one of you, we are sitting at McDonald's and sharing a Coke Zero because why would you ever drink Diet Coke when there's Coke Zero? And just a thought. We're sitting across the table and I would look you in the eyes and I would just tell you, you matter. You matter. Maybe you you feel unseen. Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel like God has kind of chosen other people, but he just kind of forgot about you, skipped over you. He knows you. He loves you. He sees you. You matter so much to him. He, He created you. He's known you since you were being formed in your mother's womb. He knows all about you. The Bible says that he knows how many hairs are on your head, which are easier for God for some people than for other people. He knows all about you. He loves you. He knows you so much that he knows how much you've sinned against him. He knows knows those things that you hope nobody else ever finds out. He knows the shame, the fears. He knows the things that have been done to you by other people. He sees all of that, and I want you to know he loves you. He sees you, and he loves you, and he has a purpose for you, and he wants you to have peace with him. In fact, he wanted that so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus, in his death and resurrection, this perfect son of God who willingly goes to the cross to take my sin and your sin and the punishment that I deserve and the punishment that you deserve, he willingly takes all of that upon himself so that we can have peace with God, so that we can know God. You say, well, how do I have this peace with God? How do I have this restored relationship with God? You ask him. I... It's not rocket science, and I know some churches make it out to be that you got to go through all these classes, or you got to jump through all these hoops, or you got to become a member of this church, or whatever. No, the, the gospel makes it very simple. You humble yourself. You say, Lord, have mercy on me. I've sinned against you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was risen from the dead. Would you do in me and for me what I can't do for myself? Would you save me from my sin? Rescue me and show me how to follow you. Show me how to live my life for you. I wanna ask you all over this room to bow your heads and close your eyes just like Mrs. Aldridge or Mrs. Vaughn used to ask me to do every, every Sunday morning as a first grader. Maybe you're here and you say, Ken, I don't have peace with God. Quite honestly, I don't feel like I have purpose. I need to know God the way that you've talked about knowing him. I need Jesus to come into my life. I've been trying to live my life for myself and it's not working out so great. I need him to lead my life, to be the master and leader of my life. If you're watching online, you can participate with this as well. With no one looking around, I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you come to the front, right where you are, right where you're sitting. If that's you and you say, Ken, would you pray for me? Would you just raise your hand? And after I acknowledge you, you can lower your hand. Yeah, I see you. 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 I see you back there. I see you right there over in this section. Yeah, I see you. I see you over there. Yep. Anybody else that would say, that's me? Yep, I see you. Anybody else that would say, that's me? 
Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? He loves you. He sees you. You matter to him. If you raised your hand a moment ago, or maybe you didn't even get a chance to raise your hand, but would you just under your breath, even right now, you just pray your own prayer. Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Show me how to really follow you. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer, and I would invite you just to, to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to help me out with this. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified and risen from the dead. And Jesus has the power to forgive me of my sins. So I ask you to forgive me. Show me how to follow you. I want to live for you. You be the master. I'll be the follower. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for those who just raised their hands, who just prayed this. God, we, we know how the enemy wants to come in and sneak in and steal from what you are doing in this moment. And I just pray, God, that by your Holy Spirit, you would seal what has just happened. God, the people would realize that they've been adopted into your family, that they don't have to live the way they used to live, that they can live the way you want them to live. They can begin to follow you, actually, actively obey you and follow you. God, empower them by your Spirit, even now, In this moment, empower them, oh God. Give them a power that is beyond themselves to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can I ask you to do me a favor? First of all, uh, if you raise your hand, I cannot believe how many hands went up just a moment ago. If you raise your hand, especially if this is the first time that you're making this decision to follow Jesus, on that blue Connect card that Pastor Aaron mentioned at the beginning of the service, would you, on the bottom, there's a place that says, My Next Steps, There's a place that you can check that you're starting a relationship with Jesus or you're reaffirming a relationship with Jesus. We'd love for you to do that. And then um, also we have some prayer partners that are going to be available. In fact, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. In a moment, I'm going to dismiss you. And when everyone else is leaving, we would love for you to come to one of these prayer partners and just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. And listen, they're not going to be like, oh, really? (laughs) They're going to smile They're going to be so excited about this decision that you're making. They would love to celebrate with you. We have resources up here that we would love to get into your hands to help you as you follow Jesus. And so, again, as as everyone else leaves in a moment, these and maybe you have other prayer concerns that you weren't able to have prayer for earlier. They'd love to pray with you for those things as well. Would you stand to your feet? You know, the way that we go public with this, you know, we just had you bow your heads and close your eyes, but the way that you publicly tell the world that you're following Jesus is through baptism, and we're going to celebrate next week a number of people who are being baptized, and if you want to be a part of that, there is still time for you to do that. Hey, this week, may you know that you are loved by your Heavenly Father, and may you step into the giftings that He has for you and walk in those giftings. God bless you guys. We'll see you later.